0: All right, everybody, we are rolling into another episode of Return, so happy to have you join us here. And today we are going to be looking at something that was really helpful for us when just starting to study about um, the end times and uh, understanding some key events um, in scripture. And so we are going to be looking at what we call the transitional generations in scripture. So jump in with us. Okay, we are going to get into our content in just a second. Well, I am excited to let you guys know that obviously we're doing this as a podcast, so you can listen to this wherever you are. I love podcasts for just the ease of having it available for you if you're driving, or I like to listen to stuff while getting ready for the day or whatever, but we are actually also recording this with a video that we are going to be uploading to YouTube. So if you like to watch while listening to
1: Where did they go? this
0: content, you can go to my YouTube account, which is Gabriel Nathania. Nathania is my middle name.
1: You and have two middle names.
0: I do, yeah. So my full name is Gabriel Nathania Jean, <laughs> after my grandma. But Nathania is like... Nathan with an IA at the end. So, Gabriel Nathania is the YouTube channel. And if you want to see our faces as we talk about this content, you can go there to watch these videos. Probably
1: we can put the link um, in uh, for everyone who's listening in the podcast. We're going to put the link there in the description.
0: Yes, we will do that. Anyway, so today we want to talk about something that was really helpful in understanding just. I think the current generation that we're living in, but also just seeing some of the biblical precedent for this. And that is something called transitional generations. Now, um, there are three specific transitional generations in scripture, and this kind of just really helps give an idea uh, and a a bigger picture understanding of what God is doing in the earth and what kind of his plan has been All the way back from the beginning and from the garden. And we've talked about that a few times. You know how back in the Garden of Eden when God created the earth. His desire was to dwell with man and to dwell on the earth. And to be in perfect fellowship with us as humans. And obviously that uh, plan got distorted when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And so... We've talked about in a few episodes how right from the moment of the fall that God has promised redemption. God has promised the coming seed that would come from the woman and crush the head of the serpent, Satan. But these transitional generations, do you want to maybe just open up and start talking about why are they important for us to get?
1: It is bigger than what I can explain in this podcast what i can say so my point is this is really important but in a few words it always helps me to remember these generations because it it brings the importance of our generation right now and we're seeing things in in um in the world every day just i was just listening to um watching some news of what's going on it's insane (laughs) and uh it It helps me to not lose hope, not lose sight of the importance of what's going on right now and how dark it needs to get because of the of the closeness that God has in this generation. So we call them transitional generations because like you were saying, God we were kicked out of the garden and communion with God, but God had a plan and this plan is to get closer every single time and God has been getting closer to us to have this perfect fellowship every single year is getting closer right but there are three dramatic generations that God takes a bigger step and changes it doesn't change it's not that he changes the rules but he changes the way that he interacts with men meaning he takes us closer to the original design Mm -hmm. Like you have Moses and... Yeah,
0: maybe just list the three generations. Yeah, you have
1: Moses and he gets closer to man. Then you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now he gets in man. And then you have the second coming of Christ. He gets to be with man, you know, in the flesh forever. So... In general, that's how I see it. it helps me to not lose perspective when darkness and oppression, it's just been very loud. Unfortunately, negative things in life are are louder than the positive things normally, right? You can have a perfect record of anything, do a thousand things well. You have one mistake and that will mark you forever, you know. So sometimes the um, the, not forever, but, you know, It's louder than. And sometimes the enemy is super loud right now. And if we lose sight of this perspective, uh, we we can get very, very discouraged. Yeah. So God is on the move. That's the point. We are in the third transitional generation. And therefore, we need to understand how to respond.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I want to look at what are some of the things that kind of define or are characteristics of these transitional generations. So we'll look at um, each one individually for a second. And so going back to that first transitional generation, it's it's the generation of Moses, which basically some of the things that we see is that like Benji just said, God comes closer or the way that he interacts with humanity, is different than what it was leading up to that point. And so specifically in the generation of Moses, what we see is God comes down and he acts in incredible signs and wonders specifically. Like we see, um, this only happens, you know, or it has only happened a few times in history where God moves in even like cosmic ways, you know, doing things, signs and wonders in in the heavens and on the earth and doing incredible things that display his power. And so the generation of Moses is obviously a huge one. God comes down, meets with Moses in the burning bush, tells him, Hey, I want you to go bring this people out of Egypt and I'm going to make a covenant with them. And so what we see is that God, you know, does these, um, the, the plagues in Egypt where he just, there's these cosmic disturbances and it's known to that the world at that time that the God of Israel was like the powerful God. He defeated all of the other gods of Egypt. Um, a lot of the plagues were like, I haven't studied this super close, but I've read and heard before how, you know, specific plagues that were um, sent against Egypt had to do with specific powers that the gods of Egypt carried. So I know like God st- struck the Nile, right and with frogs and and all and with blood and how that was specifically against one of the gods that, you know, was the god of the Nile, so to speak. And so God is demonstrating himself as, Way more powerful than all of the the false gods there, okay. but not only that. So not only is he moving, but
1: that's one element that he does in every yeah. transitional generation. He he displays his power and he puts all the gods in its place. Not that they were not in its place, but in the perspective of uh, at the side of the world population. Yeah, God, there's undeniable power shown by the the right hand of God, saying, "I am the only God." And look, they were just demons that you were worshiping yeah. and had no power. So that, that's one element. And the other element.
0: Yeah, well, really quick on that too. I like that in Isaiah, uh, I think it's Isaiah, oh gosh, five maybe, where it talks about how in the day of the Lord, he alone is going to be exalted. Isaiah two. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm getting better at my references. As I say, <laughs> two
1: fourteen to sixteen is a, perfect. you will humiliate all the gods.
0: I can people. like see what page in my Bible have like <laughs> that visual imagery, but for some reason, like getting the numbers is like good a struggle. You're good with, for with me.
1: addresses and directions. Yeah, she's always she's my GPS, but I help her with the yeah. references. So weird. Good compliment. Bible reference.
0: Anyways. The Lord alone is exalted in that day. And that's a massive emphasis of these transitional generations that not only is it made known to, you know, Israel or to God's people, it's known to the whole world that there only is one God. He alone is exalted. And therefore the things that man puts his trust in, you know, whether it's, gods, uh, gods and idols or infrastructure buildings, like the boast of humanity. Basically the Lord makes that nothing. He levels those things and, and yeah. he alone is exalted. So that's, that's one of the main emphasis that happens, but not only does God show himself in power in such a strong way, but he actually also changes the way that he relates to humanity. And so what we see is that God brings, um, the children of Israel out of Egypt, you know, having shown these mighty powers and he meets with them by coming down onto a mountain uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, he arrives as fire on this mountain. And, you know, you can go read Exodus 19. It talks about how, he, he tells the children of Israel ahead of time, I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to cleanse yourselves. He's a holy God, which means that when he comes close to us, if we're not holy, if we're not in purity, like he, he can't change who he is. And therefore, when you come near to a holy God, you either die or you you know, see him at a distance or whatever. That's why, like, time and time again throughout scripture, people talked about how they would see, you know, the face of the Lord and would think, I'm gonna die now.
1: Yeah, because they remember Exodus 19. And yeah. I, I was just reading it yesterday, and I'm close to midnight, and it says twice Tell them they can't cross. Not even the priest. Not even, I mean, get clean and, you know, put new garments. But even the priests can't go with just you and Aaron, because I'm going to strike them and they're going to die twice. Yeah. Not even animals. So it was terrifying. It actually says that the sound of the voice of God, like a trumpet, was increasing in how loud it was Mm -hmm. to the point that they cannot bear it. (laughs) But I love that he was like, and then Moses will speak to him and then God will respond to the voice of Moses, Mm -hmm. which that's part of the transition. God was responding in a conversation with a normal man and God in its fullness. And it was a conversation between like an ant and a massive God. Yeah. I love it. Anyways.
0: Well, yeah. And that's the point is that God's desire was to get closer, was to actually yeah. reveal himself to a, a people. And what we see happen is, you know, in that scenario and at Sinai, God reveals to Moses the pattern of uh, how to establish a tabernacle for God to actually dwell. He dwelt in the middle of the Israelite camp in this, this tabernacle. And it actually says that God showed Moses while Moses was on the mountain for 40 days. God took him up to the heavenly tabernacle and said, Okay, Moses, I want you to take notes on what you see here. Because just as it is around my throne room... I want you to replicate this thing on earth because I actually want to dwell in the midst of people. And again, that's the point of these transitional generations. Mm-hmm. God shows himself in a mighty display of power for the purpose of coming nearer to his people and, and, and dwelling with them. And that again goes back to what was lost in the garden was fellowship with God. So we see that in the generation of Moses, a massive transition with how God relates to humanity. Because up until that point, from Adam until Moses, there was only one or two people who would interact with God or who would hear his voice. You know, Enoch walked with God and then was no more. And Noah heard the voice of God and built the ark. But there was no widespread revelation of who God was. I want
1: to just emphasize yesterday I was thinking about the emotions of god of how he felt when for the first time in history even though he was frustrated with the people of israel even though they didn't like god at the end of the day how excited was god that for the first time after the fall there was not only one man first first of all he was thankful with moses like a guy actually stood up to do the transition And that is something that, I mean, God was the friend of Moses, and Moses was the friend of God. He needed a vessel to do the transition. So, his emotions towards Moses, amazing. Then his emotions towards the people of Israel, millions of people listening to God after the fall. So, it took a few thousand years. And uh, what was was God thinking? Because later on in Jeremiah, he interprets Exodus 19 as... I was marrying you guys
0: yeah i betrothed <laughs> myself to you on the mountain
1: yeah so it i anyways just see every transition not only how god deals with the gods how god deals with men but his emotions yeah it's very important because god is excited and in passionate about this transitional generations
0: yeah and to take on to that point um ephesians 1 mentions a number of times how it's talking about the big plan of God and kind of his storyline of the gospel and how uh, there will be a day when Jesus is going to reconcile all things in heaven and earth within himself. But it says this phrase a couple of times in Ephesians, and it says that it was according to his good pleasure, Mm. which means that just what you were saying is that it's God's desire, his longing. It's not just... Okay, I'm going to do this to fix what went wrong. It's because he he loves us. Like he loves humans. He loves man and it's according to what he wants most in his heart that he's causing all of these things to happen yeah. that he's coming closer and closer and closer because he really loves us and he really wants to be near to us.
1: Yeah. So, so second generation.
0: Second generation. And this is a massive one, but this is the the generation of Jesus. So obviously what we see is that God comes near to Moses on the mountain and he sets up the tabernacle, but not that tabernacle was not close enough. And so what we see is just the ultimate humility of God. And that is he becomes man. He comes as a man. He humbles himself as Philippians two says, he's born as a baby in the most humble of places, in a manger. And we see that Jesus is among us, you know, in human flesh. And um, obviously this is a massive change with how God interacts with man. Hebrews 1 talks about how God in various times and in various ways spoke to us through the prophets, but now in these last days is speaking to us through his son, who is the exact representation of the Father. Which means we used to hear about God, you know, in the days of old. We used to hear from these prophets or these prophetic voices or how God revealed himself in the law. But now we can know who God is through Jesus. And so...
1: I just want to emphasize something. Every time that God shows up in this new generation, this transitional generation... He gains a new name in in on the earth, Yahweh, with when Moses, and it was like this massive revelation of, of this name. Then uh, with the apostles, he the, the heavens announced he's gonna be called Emmanuel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: New name, new thing is uh, God among us, and in the third generation revelation says that he will have a new name
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we will know on that day. So it's interesting that God shows up with a new, not a new identity, but a new revelation of who he is yeah. because he's getting closer. So I can't wait for the third one.
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously Jesus coming as a man forever changes the way that we interact with God. We know what the father is like because we've seen Jesus, yeah. because we know Jesus. And a part of this transitional generation is it wasn't just enough for Jesus to come as a man. He says, you know, I'm I walked among you for three and a half years, but now I want to actually be inside of you. Yeah. And what we see at Pentecost is that he pours out the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. And so not only is God among us, but God is now in us. And I mean, the implications of this are massive and we don't have time to go into the outpouring of the Holy spirit and what that does. But basically we have access. Now we have access to God, to the throne of God by the Holy spirit, by the fact, again, remember how we talked about earlier that God is holy, and so there were all these rules and and requirements, even in the tabernacle of Moses, for people to be able to approach uh, the holy of holies in the tabernacle. You know, the high priest could only go in one time, once a year, and had to have a rope tied around his leg and bells, just in case you know he would die from being in the holiness of God. And so this dramatically changes the way. That now we can interact with God because it says in Revelation 1 that he's made us the kingdom of priests. That now as believers we are a part of the priesthood. And not only do we get to minister to God, but it means we have access to God. And Jesus obviously is is our high priest as Hebrews
1: talks about as well. So So first generation he comes like fire in a mountain, Sinai. 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 <laughs> uh, Exodus 19, then Book of Acts chapter 2, he comes as fire on the disciples like tongues of fire. Yeah. So now the fire comes within, not just from the outside. And we've been enjoying that fire for 2,000 years, and it hasn't decreased. It's just increasing. Increasing, yeah. In my Christianity, has ups and downs in the outside, but in the inside, God is getting closer. So let's talk about the third generation. Which it. is our generation. Yes. Our generation, God is gonna come as a man on fire with eyes of fire, and we're now um, waiting for him splitting the sky. So, in this generation, well, we you talk about the you know him displaying his power with the with the plagues and the gods of Egypt, destroy them completely. Second generation. In Colossians 2, Paul says that at, in the cross or at the cross, God put all the principalities and power, all of them, and display his power and put them to shame mm-hmm. and broke all their powers forever, forever. Like now, they have power on us and, on, and human in and humanity just because we're in agreement with them. But that doesn't mean that they should have legal power on us he display his power in the cross but in the third generation he comes to you know put uh, um, put an end forever and crush the head of the serpent yeah by him encapsulating satan in the antichrist and all the principalities and demons are gonna fall in humanity in human vessels after the first seal in Revelation 12, verse 7 to 12, we see that principalities fall from heaven. In the last three and a half years, and now they're encapsulated. They are trapped in human vessels. So now Jesus comes at the end of the seventh trumpet. He fights with them and kills them. Mm-hmm. So that's the end. Like he comes and actually makes war in Armageddon and finalizes the deal. Comes Mary. Uh, comes the supper of the Lamb. You know, we marry him and we're with him forever so that's why before this there's always a murdering of of children first generation satan tried to kill the generation of moses by throwing the kids in the nile second generation herod tried to kill all the generation of jesus and babies right this third generation before the manifestation of these deliverers satan is uh, you know, slaughtering millions and millions of babies in the womb, called the abortion, mm-hmm. and now extending it to now 30 days after they are born. And I will not be surprised that it he, is even extended to two years old or something like that. It's always within the first two years and before they are born that Satan is afraid of that transitional generation to be born. So it's all about our kids right now. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. Mm-hmm. If we see this Great sign of the dragon trying to kill this generation because he's afraid. So we should be hopeful. We see abortion. We we should hate abortion. We should completely be like, you know, disgusted by it. But also be hopeful because the enemy is also telling us something that we don't see. He sees that this generation is going to be the one that is going to transition like Moses and the apostles. And now the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's third generation is happening right now. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so violent. That's why it's so crazy. And that's why it will be very powerful. But it will start with a small beginning, with a small seed. Yeah. And um, it, it's time to it's time to invest in our spiritual lives and in our kids.
0: And part of like what's happening in this third and final transitional generation is that Jesus is coming back to restore all things. Like This is yeah. the climax of what we see back in Genesis. Again, God wants to dwell on the earth with man. And so yeah. we see that Jesus comes back. You were talking about how he puts all things under his feet, which Psalm 110 is an incredible passage that describes this, how it says, my, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I, I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And yeah. so what we see from the cross, Jesus gained the victory. He went and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And the Father said to him, I want you to sit here until your enemies become a footstool. And what happens when Jesus returns for this third and, and final transitional generation is that the enemies of God are all, like, all underneath his feet. And again, yeah. he talks about how that victory was gained at the cross. And yet we see right now, even according to Ephesians 2, that we were once underneath the the prince of the power of the, uh, of the air in which the sons of disobedience are still underneath. Yeah. But what happens, what you were just talking about is how when Jesus comes in this final transitional generation, he is just completely getting rid of Satan and and the powers of evil that still rule over the earth. And and this transition is for us to dwell with God face to face. For us to have that indwelling Holy Spirit, that the holiness, the imputed righteousness, which Jesus gives to us in the cross, for us to actually be a people that can dwell with him.
1: That's the point. That's the point. We every revival is to prepare every generation to get holier and holier and holier. And even trials and the great tribulation will help the bride to decide. Yeah. When when you know, and this is another subject for another day that probably we should talk about why trials are important for us and we shouldn't reject them. We should learn from it and embrace the cross. Mm -hmm. Is that trials actually help us to it exposes the hatred of sin against us, and again the the other lovers that we are pursuing, they turn against us, and God shows us what is already there, that they were we were pursuing something that actually didn't love us, and He's the only lover that will come and rescue us. That's what's gonna happen at the end of the age, but every revival. It's the point is that we get cleansed so God can get closer to us. Mm-hmm. So in the last generation, there's going to be great revival and great persecution, great exposing of who God is, who Satan is in the flesh by persecuting us. And many people are going to say, hey, I gave my finances to you. I get what's going on. This, this man, the Antichrist, it's insane. And God is going to say, yes. It's been like that all this time. He's been a dragon. He's a beast. But I'm a lover. I'm a lamb. But I'm a lion. And I'm actually your husband. I want to be with you. And it's the great display. There's no more gray areas. There's a point when the, in in the sixth seal in Revelation six verse ten, it says that the 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 heavens are you know, open like a scroll and actually humanity can see who God is because it's all about dwelling with him forever. But in order to do that, we have to say no to sin ultimately, like the ultimate holiness of the church will come to pass in the, in the last days.
0: Yeah. And just as we wrap up this episode, this has helped me a lot too. And just understanding this storyline of the gospel, which is A lot of people say that the book of Isaiah is like the the gospel condensed in one book. And this helped me. I learned this in my book of Isaiah class uh, when I was in Bible school. And it was kind of like the the theme or the question of the book of Isaiah was, how is god going to take an unholy people and yet with all of the promises of him dwelling in their midst and being the king among them how is he going to take an unholy people and make them holy for him to actually dwell with and for all the promises to come to pass and that's what these transitional generations are about that's what the cross was is that god came on the mountain gave the law drew closer to humanity but still, what the law was not able to do with the blood of, of bulls and goats, Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, paid the, the, what the price was required for sin, which is blood. You know, you take a life and, and, and life is required. He came and he paid the price so that now the Holy Spirit inside of us could cleanse us from sin, yeah. from unrighteousness. He gives us his very righteousness now so that that law is written upon our heart so that we can be holy as he is holy so that we can even be citizens of his kingdom, which the way that he rules his kingdom is upside down compared to the ways of the world. And what's happening in this final generation is he is coming to establish that kingdom on the earth in a physical manifested way. And now that we have the imparted and imputed righteousness and we go through the trials and kind of that the birth pangs that happened in the last three and a half years, we come out as this people who can actually dwell in the midst of of the kingdom and with God. And so that is kind of a very just broad picture and storyline it's really helped us in our understanding of the bible and in reading it so i hope that it helps yeah. you in in just studying it and and looking at it and yeah thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys in the next episode
1: next episode